Eddie, what happened to your computer machine? Oh, it's in one of those phases that these laptops go through. <laughs> tell tell me. Want, tell me about these. It doesn't want to do anything. Oh. You know. <clears throat> you raised it wrong, Ed. <sighs> I did. I was a bit too permissive. Yep. Yep. Boy, we got right into Trouble Zone in that conversation, didn't we? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Backing out. Backing out. Backing it out. Uh, yeah, this laptop's a piece of junk. They last oh. like six months, you know? <laughs> they last like six months. Computers today! I, Alice just turned off the podcast. She did. <laughs> she did. She's out. <laughs> she has an escape, escape button. Look at you. You're all sleepy. You got your robe on, don't you? I'm not even that, I'm not even that sleepy. I just, it's caught me in a sleepy moment. Yeah. It took the, the, the 10 or 15 minute delay just... And I've put me back. I was I was professional and ready to go. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Talking to you on the new improved Lunchbox AM. We'll check in with the weather and wagon wheel rut report. <laughs> Here in a moment. Yeah. Are there cyclones? There are cyclones. In Kansas, uh, a couple days ago. That's March. The yeah. highway was. Sh- the, I understand. Understand. Interstate seventy was shut down to a, to a blizzard. Yeah, and about a hundred miles south of the blizzard was uh, the largest grass fire the city, the state has ever seen, which is still going. <laughs> <Really? laughs> oh, so Kansas! My friends in in eastern Kansas were getting both uh, snow flurries and ash flurries. Mixed together <laughs> on the crocus leaf. <coughs> oh God! Mm-hmm. Also, their schools and roads are terrible. Yeah, you want to keep going with that? Their donuts seem to be all right. Oh, there's a lot of great stuff about Kansas. Yeah, prairie chickens. Is it? Is that? Uh, is prairie chicken? I'm gonna look that up. Is, per, is I think prairie... they're all gone now. They're all gone. <coughs> they're extinct. Yeah, I think the governor went out and ate them. Did they? Snuck up on each one and no, they, unhinged they're... his jaw and swallowed each one okay. whole. Yeah, it says uh, <clears throat> uh, p- pinnated, 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 pinnated. The greater prairie chicken are pinnated grouse, sometimes called a boomer. A boomer. Yeah, they boom. They boom in mating season. Is it yeah. that big uh, orange they get big sack? pouches in their, yeah. in their throats, and they boom. This North American species was once abundant, but has become extremely mm-hmm. rare and extirpated over much of its range due to habitat loss. Yeah. So it's your, uh, it's your highways, your car dealerships, your uh, megachurches, your uh, billboards with uh, pictures of aborted babies on them. Great. That's most of what that's chasing most of, out the. It's mostly the aborted baby billboards, <laughs> casting and casting their their big quite, rom, quite rom, a, rhomboid shadows over the prairie yeah. chicken uh, habitat. Aborted baby billboard bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I was I went, last time I was in Kansas. Uh, it took me by surprise how. How prevalent that stuff is, kind of seemingly everywhere. I was, I, I mean, I knew that was a thing, but it, I hadn't been through Kansas in decades, and uh, there it all was again. Well, there's both, there's both a, a <clears throat> this, this, the state has retreated backwards since I lived there. Um, it was proud of being reasonable, um, <clears throat> but but certainly it's become more or a certain class of cons. They're not even conservative, just crazy people have taken power. Um, but one of the first areas that they took power was the billboard industry. That was really the first. Their beachhead was the, the billboard. That's yeah. when you started to see see some wackiness. Uh, but the billboards, the, the people who control billboards, yeah. the billboard media companies, tend to be kind of right-wing Christian people. The, the people who own the, the outdoor adver- ad- outdoor advertising as a trade, kind okay. of like trucking, tends to be dominated by um, clannish um, 
evangelicals. Is that so? It is so. I have made it so. It I'm is, sure it's true. It, it is so. I'm sure so. it's true. As with most of my facts, it's, I'm <laughs> certain of it. Absolutely certain of it. One of the first things I do when some fact occurs to me is I double check it in my mind and say, Ed, "Are you sure that that's true?" And I, Does it sound about and right? My fact checking department says, "Oh, I'm. I stand by this one." <laughs> What about what about the, the times you've been disproven? And then I, someone says you're talking to yourself, and, and then I go back to eating my Jello. <laughs> I was talking to Owen yesterday about um, the way um, SpongeBob SquarePants has has completely. So he, Owen, just backing up. Um, I have a new uh, nephew. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, who one may never meet. <laughs> uh, because. The, Hundreds of miles away. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. The, I mean, the baby was born in western New York, but um, but the baby's father lives in Tennessee. And so oh, my sister-in-law uh, and older and 15-year-old niece are, I think, planning on moving there over the summer yeah. uh, to be with him. And um, the baby's named Benjamin. He appears very cute. In the pictures that have come in over my telephone, um, but Owen and Rian went out there to be with uh, be with Rian's sister during the birth and uh, during the joyous event. Well, the first thing that Owen said that I thought was interesting was, um, he's, he's he, I said, how was what was it like being around you know being around when someone's having a baby? He's he had he hadn't had that experience. He was being babysat when his brother was born because he was three. And uh, he said, or he was four, I guess, three? Anyway, <coughs> he said that, uh, he said that uh, it was all uh, normal. Everything just worked fine. And there was no danger or drama, and everyone was calm. And I, I said, yeah, it's, it's routine. Just like many, many tens of thousands of people have babies every hour. And he he just said that he hadn't expected that it would be, it would be like that. I, which I wonder if it's uh, if it speaks to what what kind of ideas about the world I have impregnated my child with, like that he's that he thinks everything is a complicated bureaucratic, uh, you know, harrowing nightmare. Well, in books, movies, TV, every birth is a crisis. Yeah, that's right? the true. Nar- narrat- in the narratives. Um, every birth is a crisis in a worst case scenario, usually. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I, I guess we're kind of, you know, because we're because we do we do the bodily stuff we need to do in hospitals. We're maybe a little removed from in the day to day. Well, I I always I go to the hospital every day to relieve myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's expensive, but if you have a good health plan. No. We're a little removed from the workaday fact of birth, but anyway, the, the other thing that he said was uh, his 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 cousin uh, Maddie um, couldn't stop quoting SpongeBob SquarePants, <laughs> and Owen, of course, knew all the references too. And this is sort of the the classic era of the fir- you know the first four or five seasons of SpongeBob, which were on constantly in our house. It was one of the one sort of cultural artifacts besides maybe they might be giants that everyone in my household liked equally when my mm-hmm. children were toddlers. And uh, there was one episode where uh, Squidward, who is, uh, you might it's recall, yeah, he's, huh? he's, he's a rather irritating, uh, grumpy fellow. He's the, is he the Oscar Madison? Who's the, uh, who's the grumpy one in The Odd Couple? Oh well, Oscar. They're both kind of grumpy. Um, Oscar is rumpled and grumpy. Felix is fussy. Fe- okay, it's and, Felix. It's, it's, it's. I think he's more of a. I think Squidward is more of a Felix figure. Yeah. Um, although it's not a straight analog. It's it doesn't the the, the, Spo- the SpongeBob Squidward relationship is its own special has its own special dynamic. <laughs> anyway, try to, um, to mute the try to mute the microphone for that sniffle. No, it's all right. I'm not gonna. I'm not bothering either. I will talk. I'm sure we'll talk about being sick shortly. Um, so, so Squidward always is looking to. He wants to go be by himself and play his clarinet, yeah. and this is always a problem because he has a nosy, nosy couple of neighbors. 
and who of course are his only friends. So he, yeah. you know, he could move away, but he doesn't do that because as, as he, Hart Crane has said, the bottom of the sea is cruel. <laughs> <laughs> in his review of SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this episode where he gets his wish by I can't remember the mechanism for it, but it, a way is discovered for <coughs> for Squidward to travel into other dimensions, parallel dimensions, and one of them is completely blank. It's just a white expanse that represents Squidward's most fervent wish, which is to be completely alone. And these voices in the void, in the white void, are reminding him that he's gotten what he wanted. And there, it's a chorus of different voice, differently gendered and pitched voices saying, You're alone, 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 you're alone. And this is... The word alone can't be uttered in my household without this alone. these voices happening. So Owen Owen had been talking about having this experience just riffing with Maddie on SpongeBob and um one of us said alone, we were walking through a we were walking through a parking lot together last night and he said which is something we do as a father father son yeah. activity. We drive downtown, we walk through a parking lot and we go home. Yeah. Check um, the door handles. And uh-huh. Owen created this vision of himself as like a 98-year-old man in a nursing home by himself in a, um, sitting in his wheelchair in the corner of the rec room uh, saying, I'm alone. <laughs> I, I thought that was a strange fantasy for an 18-year-old to have about his future. Yeah. There's a lot to fill in in between there. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, do you have you been ill? <clears throat> no, I, I just uh, I've got a little a little sniffle and frog in the throat uh, this morning, but I don't I haven't had this consistently. But I have a young child, so yeah, I'm always oh, a little yeah. a little sick. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I'd... Always a little sick. I've been ill and always a little strong. I've been going to the gymnasium. Oh, have you? I have. I purchased a gymnasium membership. <laughs> <laughs> through Costco. So it was a bargain. Yeah? And I've been I've been going. So do you pay you pay the discount gymnasium membership at Costco and they let you into their gym, which is a bunch of tall <laughs> shelves covered with boxes and you your exercise is to lift them and carry them across and the room. Put them into put place, them, yeah. Yeah, take them off Set of trucks, them into, put them Yes. Yeah, and you pay how much for this? A lot. And if you have to leave at night, the doors are locked. So it's sort of an extra encouragement. So you just keep on working out. Yeah. 12 hour shifts. Yeah. Is that, that's your, a gym, right? Your Costco exercise regimen, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, so you got a gym membership. <clears throat> and it's, um, uh, um, and it's uh, I, f- I feel thoroughly physically and emotionally humiliated. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do, buddy. Yeah. I just from stretching. <laughs> just oh, you haven't the, you haven't just started from ex- the stretching. You haven't started no, I mean, exercising the yet. Stretching, and then I, you know I do the working out. But I, they said you know start slow. Why not? You're an old man. <laughs> you know, come. You know. Put on your gym clothes, and if you feel like putting your regular clothes right back on and walking out the door, that's fine. <laughs> Just get used to coming. No, sorry. I do this kind of this stretching regimen that's that's kind of long and and uh, and I feel uh, feel pretty beat up just from that. But then you know a little bit of uh, the elliptical cross trainer. I just like it because of the because of. It's not really. It doesn't seem like exercise, and I like the phrase. It sounds like a spaceship. I I like the phrase because it sounds like um, uh, it sounds like it's taking a very roundabout way of of getting you in shape. Right, or Stephen Burt's uh, literary criticism of working out <laughs> uses that term. Yeah, that's his term. <laughs> school of poetry. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, uh, do some weights. Yeah, and I remember. I remember weights. I know how to do weights. Weights are kind of pleasant to do. You know, really, as long as you get the right the right weight 
if you're not lifting something that's too <laughs> like a heavy. like a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you if you just make sure to pick the weight level that is far beneath. <laughs> You want you want you want the weights to be visibly large enough that other people might think that they're they're substantial, um, and then uh, but you don't want them so big that they actually are taxing. No, you know? wait. So you're you're concerned about what others what others think of you? Oh, absolutely. That's what the whole the gym the gym game is all about. I just assume you were just getting ripped for AWP. Well, I will, I will be ripped at AWP. Um, <laughs> Uh, but that's that wasn't the, the goal. I don't know what the goal is. I don't have a goal. I don't have a goal. You don't but, need uh, one. You're a poet. You know, and then, then uh, <clears throat> the bikes, <clears throat> uh, the exercise bikes, which are comically small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel I feel like Oliver Hardy, um, you know, on, on candid camera in this place. <laughs> <laughs> like they're trying to set up Zero Mostel for a laugh in this place. There are a lot of other people out of shape, luckily. But there are some people who are terribly in shape. There's one guy who's uh, um, very in shape and he's he'll, he'll be on like the, 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 the exercise bike for like two hours. Yeah. And he has like a gas mask on. <laughs> he looks really scary. Really? Gas he's mask? His gas mask, like it's uh, like he's in some sort of training, I suppose. So, do you mean do you mean like the way some people? I guess it's more popular in Asia, but I'm starting to see it in the U.S. too. People during cold and flu season will just no, wear no, no. Uh, this will is a wear a surgical mask. mask. You're talking this is about a rubber like mask with a, a little gasket on the front, which I suppose <laughs> is is maybe you know uh, affecting oxygen intake or breathing or something. Oh but I God. mean, the, the there's the question of the old game of training or fetish that uh, is played out frequently. I can't tell if people are doing what they're doing because they're they're enjoying it <laughs> a little too much secretly in their in their private way, or if they're uh, they really you know know what they're doing and are, are athletes. It's hard yeah. to tell. Hard yeah, to of tell. course. Um, well, that's you know that's why. That's the that's the number two reason that I don't go to the gym is that there are other people at the gym. The number yeah. one reason I don't go to the gym is that it's the gym and you have yeah. to exercise at it. Yeah, but you're 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 a you're a, a more in shape than I am. Let's say. Well, I have a slimmer At my age and my size, really for the first time, there are things I can't do comfortably. Yeah. Like. Would you like you to name my some? child from Ron rushing traffic? <laughs> yeah, or okay. run after my child when he's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. My my traditional method of sauntering towards things um, turns <laughs> out to be insufficient in crisis moments. I want to be able to be more, more useful. Small. <laughs> 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 by the uh, way, by the way, did you did you realize that um, two things in the. Uh, by the way, the people who are, are have submitted to Okie Panky and haven't heard yet from has submitted fiction to us and haven't heard yet, that means you're still in the running. We're we're we're, we're we got we did the first round and now we're we're narrowing it. And the second round is very good. This, once again, our readers are really good writers. We have a lot of good stuff, so I'm very excited about that. But um, uh, two the two most common things in the, slush, the fiction slush pile for Okie Panky were, number one, being annoyed at somebody for taking up too much space on the subway. Yeah. Su- surprisingly, not manspreading, which I think is a common, um, a fairly common complaint among women who are bewildered by the amount of space a man takes up without having any, you know, any baggage other than his own, his own testicles. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but mostly uh, people with packages, people getting on the subway with packages and taking up a lot of space with their packages yeah. disappeared in about eight manuscripts <laughs> that I read. The other thing is the verb saunter. It's a good verb. I think I think people have a, a character. This is like the this is like the Dave Gilbert problem, where he 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 said that he once in workshop that he um, he spent like all night working on this scene where the phone rings and the character has to get up off the sofa and cross the room. And he wrote the, he wrote the lines in which his character crosses the room to answer the phone over and over and over again before eventually realizing that 
you don't have, you don't have to do that. They right. just, you know, the phone rings and then the conversation starts and you don't have to render the, the answering of the phone at all. Um, I think people say that a character is walking or going from place to place and the word just looks dull to them and they think, well, what's a kind of, what do you do? What's a kind of walking? What's a stylish kind of walking that, that I could apply to this person's movement that says something about their personality. And I think you've saunter. got sauntering and you've got moseying. I <laughs> know. I would like, I would like the August slush pile to be, to be, yeah. uh, to be mosey positive. Yeah. Sauntering, moseying, perambulated. <laughs> he, uh, uh, stumbled, uh, traipsed. Traipsed. I get, I get that. I get that in my undergraduate workshops. Traipsed, but not in the slush pile. I always think of that. <laughs> there was a, uh, <clears throat> a theater critic named Dalt Wonk, yeah, um, in New Orleans, uh, who, who making fun of himself and making fun of theater criticism would often uh, <laughs> describe an actor as as traipsing the boards. <laughs> He'll he'll not traipse the boards again. <laughs> we'll not see an actress of such talent traipse the boards again anytime soon in this fair city. Uh, I think that all once good- the boards have been traipsed, they cannot be untraipsed. <laughs> they cannot be unboarded. No, the traipsing can't be unboarded. Yeah. And the boards Trapes can't be untraped. Do, don't you think that all criticism kind of has to be a partially a criticism of criticism itself in order to be effective? Sure, it has to. It has to acknowledge its own absurdity. Does it not? Yes. I really want to read Stephen Burt's criticism of working out. <laughs> It'd be good. He could. He, he would to do them, it too. He puts names to things, you know, and that's. <laughs> That's good. There's the elliptical school of poetry, the elliptical cross training school of poetry, <laughs> and then uh, the new thing is his term for whatever has come after that. Although even that's four or five years out, um, and that seems that always seemed a little lazy, critically, yeah. to describe something as just being the new thing. Yeah, you're only half doing your job if you. <laughs> Yes, we understand, sir, that you're talking about the new thing. We'd like to know more about it. So I think that's a that's a, a turn to you a critical mosey if I ever heard one. Yeah. Well, he he explains it, and, <laughs> uh, defends it well, but still, it seems odd. Also, I, I'm I'm disturbed whenever when there's an, an you know some new critical approach that names contemporary poets that that I don't know any of them. Yeah, well, no. I feel a little, a little recherche, and I feel a little recherche at the gym. I bet you do. I'm glad we're back on that. <laughs> I do, because um, you were talking about uh, tr- being in training to rescue a child from on on rushing traffic. Yeah. Well, I feel here's here's one of the areas where I feel like I'm failing in my gymsmanship. <laughs> is uh, is I. I, I I'd, I'd really like to take the elevator up to the third floor where the machines are. <laughs> and there, and there, there, there must be one somewhere in the building. Some shame corner. What I'll find. Um, there's a kid's area, so I can take the kid to the gym. Tiny barbells? Drop him off. No, there's, no, there's nothing gym-like. Tiny barbells. In the, in the kid area. In the gym. Yeah. Uh, so I can leave them there for two hours so I can work out for 10 or 15 minutes and then sit in the for an hour. <laughs> really all I want to do. Read the, read the newspaper while someone else takes care of your child for free. That's why you pay. gets hot in the sauna. Yeah. I worry about it combusting. <laughs> but I think it, at 100, 100, 160, 170 degrees. Yeah. Which, uh, as a veteran of the perilkas of yeah. the Russian baths, it's not that hot. Is this really. a dry sauna? The dry sauna, yeah. but it's not a Russian or a Finnish sauna. It's just a sauna. So, 160 degrees is enough to sweat, but it's not impressive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's enough to set my 
my copy of the Willamette Week on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it does get it does get uh, um, crispy, kind of dehydrated, hard to handle. Crispy, crispy news. As, I, as I'm looking through all the music listings, that I'm I'm just not never going to go to any of these things, and they're you, great. This is the best town I've ever lived in. Well, not the best town for music, but there's more live music passing through Portland, I think, than Seattle or New Orleans. Or, mm-hmm. And you get to uh, see Manhattan. you get to see some of it in a smaller and a more intimate setting than you might in Seattle. Oh, I don't get to see any of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they might as well be playing living room. Well, if they play living rooms, they might get to... I used to tell fine. myself that when my kids were older, I would... And they liked music too. I would go to to more shows. I go to. I still. I do go to some shows. But yesterday, <coughs> was it yesterday? The day before, I got a text message from my friend Jim, who said, "Believe it or not, Robin Hitchcock is playing at the Dock tonight." Um, and the Dock is where the Starry Mountain Sweetheart Band played its last show. It's like a tiny, not tiny, but it's a small club. It's an intimate club. It happens to have a great sound system. And I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't want to go. <laughs> Yeah. I stayed home. Yeah. I was too tired. Um, it was like a ten minute drive, right? I mean, geez. Oh yeah, ten minutes. Ten minutes, yeah. and and you, I could sit down. I could sit down with a with a drink, and instead, I sat on the sofa and I answered emails and text messages. Yeah, because I'm tired, man. I never got into Robin Hitchcock. Gotta admit, really. Yeah, I'd listen to it. I, I understand Robin Hitchcock. I just never. Uh, I wouldn't have gone. Uh, do, you, uh, do you like the Soft Boys? I do. Yeah, I'm all for. It's fine. I don't know if I, I need to see him in 2016. It seems. Yeah, I, uh, I was a big fan of. I often dream of trains. Uh, yeah. an, al- an album. My friend Andrew Chalfin. Um, oh, by the way, I should say the band I was in, the instrumental band I was in. I think like Midnight, um, and I've been replaced by Joe Jack from Joe Jack Talcum from the Dead Milkmen. Um, which is a very good replacement, I think. They, I'm, I am not able to record their new record. But they On are the putting, keyboards. Yeah. They're recording a new album as we speak. Oh, my I'm goodness. Very excited about that. Andrew and Dean and yeah. JoJo? Uh, no, no, no. It's um, uh, uh, a guy named Josh playing bass. Uh, I, can't, I don't remember what other bands he's in. And then, um, and, uh, jo- oh, uh, yeah, and Joe on keyboards. So I thought you meant uh, jo- my friend Joey Sweeney. No. Uh, who goes by JoJo at times? No, I don't mean any of the Sweeneys. Do you do you know Joey? He's he's uh, he's married to Elizabeth Scanlon. How uh, I'm not sure that we've met. Impending we've, impending oaky panky poet. Right, and uh, that it was a civilian reason why we knew uh, non poetry world <laughs> civilian reasons. Civilian reasons. She's the best. Yeah, I like her a lot. She really she great. is she's the only okay. She's the only close talker I like. She okay. gets she gets right up close, she touches you on the knee, she's looking right in your eyes. Yeah. Instantly. Instantly. She's right there. She wants to hear what you have to say and she has things to say to you and she is delighted to do both of those things. And when she's done, you know. You do know. <laughs> when her when, yeah. when her attention is no longer uh, part of that conversation. <laughs> she is no longer in the room. You are yeah. alone. She's moved away. Alone. <laughs> alone. No, she's a great she's a great writer, a great editor, yeah. and a wonderful person. All, all those things. All those so things. look forward to seeing her in the in the magazine yeah. people. <clears throat> but anyway, um AWP is next week. Oh yeah, why don't I say I'm going to post this on on the internet's every day so people will will know about it. I I, for, yeah, I posted this last night and then belatedly realized that it was uh, Friday night and only I yeah. was on the internet. Right. Um, but there is a meetup. If anybody wants to meet uh, and hang out with, or if you already know. And are aware that you are well disposed toward and would like to hang out with. In other words, Alice, if you're still listening. (laughs) (laughs) Me, Alice, and Ed are going to have some cocktails at the Glance Lobby Bar. It was was painful to type this. Lowercase G, uppercase L-A, lowercase N-C-E is the name of the bar. It's in the front. 
It's at the, the front. <laughs> the Marriott. This is down by the Staples Center. It's down in front of the uh, <laughs> place. 900 West Olympic Boulevard, the Marriott. Um, so downtown where there is nothing but this bar, I'm told. every All my L.A. friends is like, hey, I'm coming to L.A. I don't have a car. I'm going to be at this address. And they're like, sorry. Yep. <laughs> we're, not going, we're not going there. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no. So 5 to 7 p.m. Thursday, on Thursday, March 31st, the three of us are going to be hanging around there. And I just realized it's not only the Okie Panky meetup, it's the Lunchbox meetup. Sure, and last time we, uh, when we were in Minneapolis, we had some, some uh, uh, people who may or may not have been familiar with Okie Panky, but listened to Lunchbox yeah. game, and that was fantastic. Yeah, it was, it did, um, did, did uh, uh, and, uh, and Dan Hornsby, right? And Dan. She was, he, he was a Alice groupie. And has become an Al's boyfriend. Well, so people should come to that. That'll be good. Yeah, Thursday. It's early. <clears throat> WP. Yeah, my WP goals are to hang out with you. Oh, thank you. I want that. And to go to the uh, Museum of Jurassic Technology. Yes. Oh, yes. Can I come? Yes. Have you ever been? Yes, I have. We've talked I- about it. That's right. But I, uh, but I am, I want to go. So, yeah, consider it a date. Yeah. How are we going to get there? Uber? We might Uber. We can take. Uh, I know which. I've taken the bus there. Really? Downtown. Oh it's no, no, no. let's take let's take the bus. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's take the bus. I have. I've taken. I've. You know, actually, I've. I've taken. I've taken the bus from MJT to one of the like one of the hotels we're staying at. Oddly. It takes a while, but it's interesting, you know, L.A. by bus. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not a view of L.A. that you get all the time. I bring my camera. I like it down there around the, the Museum of Jurassic Technology. It's, it's uh, Culver City, uh, right? It's on, yeah, it's on Venice Boulevard. Um, so it's, a, uh, it's a block away from a lot of cool stuff in Culver City that you don't see from Venice Boulevard. But it's just mm-hmm. like one little block away, and there's a bunch of great little... Uh, restaurants and there's the the old hotel which was which was uh where all of the little people stayed in during the filming of yes wizard of oz oh of course um <clears throat> which uh, was then used again in the in the underrated 70s comedy under the rainbow with chevy chase i forgot all about that <laughs> oh don't forget oh don't god forget greatness let me let me uh, link to that. That's good. So that's right there. <clears throat> God, and of I course, next to uh, the Museum of Jurassic Technology is the Center for Land Use Interpretation. I don't know that. What is that? Well, it's right next door. <laughs> exactly what it is. Unlike the Museum for Jurassic Technology, in which only the word museum is slightly true, uh, the Center for Land Use Interpretation is exactly that. It's a center for the interpretation of land use. Okay. Oh, well, I like... Um, I like the landscape and architectural photography that adorns its its front page. No. no. Okay, so it's totally in earnest. Yeah, <clears throat> but like the MJT, it's slightly deceptive. What is or there? Eccentric. Okay, good, good. It, it's keep it, it's it's in it's in simpatico with the uh, with the Museum of Jurassic Technology, and that, okay. that it's a it's uh, uh, looking closely at the the margins and ephemera of of. Uh, obsessions so it's but it's not specious it's uh it's earnest I don't I, uh, neither one is specious <clears throat> what is there to eat out there some salads I there's think... a great there's a great persian place a block away there's a, a great dessert place uh it's kind of a vegetarian zone um uh there's some great stuff along venice boulevard all right that uh trying to trying to think you're you're rubbing your um your fingers and thumb together as you think yeah there's not a zanku chicken down there oh god I gotta but there's get um there's there's a lot of a lot of delights yeah um because that's the, the la i know is really from 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 the mjt along venice boulevard from there down to mar vista okay i would say all the way down to venice beach my friend cooper lives over in that area um. 
Well, what, what Coo, is he the uh, is he the, the, uh, paint, the painter? Far away from, hmm? Is he the painter? Tim Ernst Cooper? is a painter who no. lives down there. Okay, Cooper's in the, in the advertising trade. All right. What do you say? Uh, what do you say? We do this Friday. I got. I'm going to be at. Um, I'm manning the electric lit table till about eleven on Friday, huh? and then I'm free. Friday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Anybody wants to come along? Let us know. Okay. I'm put. I'm going to put this. I'm putting it on my calendar. MJT with Ed. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to put this down for uh, eleven. Friday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Thirty. Eleven thirty a.m. to let's get some lunch down there. P.m. Yeah. This is good. We should we should have a little writer jaunt. I'm sure it'll be full of. Hopefully, it it should be. I mean, the main purpose of America is the Museum of Jurassic Technology. So, (laughs) main reason for an American writer to go to Los Angeles should be to to spend a couple hours there. (laughs) I I agree with this. I agree. All right, there we go. Not hardly exaggerating. I think it's I think it's really one of the, the the finest things. That you can do on Earth is good. No, it's drastic technology. It's fantastic, and uh, I, it's been fifteen years since I've been there. Um, I went there on my. Fr- I went there uh, when I was on my first book tour, I think. Um, and I stayed at a hotel down t- in downtown LA, and uh, I I was crashed with by Andrew Greer mm-hmm. uh, and David, and I went out there with them, and we went to a. Um, we went to the, um, had one of the most amazing Chinese restaurant meals of my life at a place that I have no no recollection where it was or what it was called, but it was great. That's not helpful at all. No, no, it sounds. Uh, I think we'll be able to find it based on that <laughs> that description. So I am. Um, I I would like to go to Cantor's again. By the way, here's something about Cantor's. Cantor's Deli. It's on my mind lately for for two reasons. One, um, uh, I've been watching Transparent, the um, Amazon uh-huh. TV series with uh, Jeffrey Tambor and a bunch of other great people. Uh, a very sad and funny show about a sort of money Jewish family who uh, is a complete wreck in every way. And they're and the show is essentially about the ways they mistreat themselves, each other, and strangers. And um, there is a scene. There's a scene where uh, they pick up their standing order at Cantor's and bring it over to their mother's house, and it's very yeah. charming. It made me remember Cantor's. But then, um, <clears throat> have I talked to you about uh, Kroll Show, the sketch comedy show, Kroll Show? Uh, yeah, I've watched. I've watched Kroll Show. I think it's concluded its run. Yeah, it's just three years. I think the middle season is the best of the three. But I thought they were all really funny. And that, but one of the sketches in season two was a fake like hair metal band called sloppy seconds yeah. uh and they there's a there's a plot line in which they attempt to reunite as part of a reality tv show and they they only had one hit and it was the song la deli and the whole i think the whole premise of the song is that um the the that la and Dele rhyme in in hair metal accent LA, LA. So I always imagine that that it was about Cantor's because uh, Kroll get, tells this anecdote about him and John Mulaney being at Cantor's and uh, somebody buying them a gigantic tuna sandwich to make fun of their too much tuna sketch <laughs> routine. So it's clear that they hang out there. I just pictured them hanging out there and like suddenly this occurring to them in Cantor's. So, so it's been yeah. on my mind and I want to go back there. Also, well, the, but but the, but Cantor's also has a metal a role in metal history. Yeah, as the, the the birthplace of uh, Guns and Roses, and the owner of the owner of Cantor's is uh, the president of the Guns and Roses fan club. <laughs> no, come on. Oh, absolutely. Well, he was their pal. <laughs> really? Yeah, and that's why they 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 started at the uh, in the um, the the Kibitz Room, which is the bar adj- connected to Cantor's. Yeah. Where they would play, and uh, uh, but I mean, Cantor's. I mean, it was also there's a lot of great photos of uh, because it's a 24 hour place and it's big. You know, there's just photos of you know Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and people after going there after shows. You know, uh, you know, in uh, L.A. like uh, was Arthur Love 
you know, yeah, at four in the morning at Cantor's Deli and because it's just a twenty four hour place. Uh, it was a the place to go after the late night spot. Yeah, for a for a bite. Yeah, I did know about that part of its uh, history, but I didn't realize that. Uh, oh, I didn't realize quite North how Central. quite how tight it was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So the other thing, I, I would, I would like, I like to go there in the. <gasps> I would wait out the morning rush hour, um, yeah. and have some coffee and do some scribbling in there, um, and then go up to Idlewild around noon. Um, I some of the best writing I did in California. I would really? say was was in in Cantor's, and I, I'm sure I wasn't the only person in there. Do you still when you when you look back at work you've done over the years, um, do you, and you read something? Do you can you do you remember the circumstances of its initial creation? Maybe not faithfully. I mean, I can uh, I can tell myself a story about where it was that might not be if I actually look at the the uh, you know the notebook and, and try to match it up with where I actually was when it might not be true. Mm-hmm. But it's often been uh, the Cantors. I think of um, a lot of this next this book coming out in November. I wrote in the mornings at uh, Break Espresso on Higgins <laughs> Street in Missoula, yep, of course, and at um, uh, an off-track betting parlor, um, Katie O'Keefe's in Missoula. Um, yeah. Uh, so a lot of a lot of the best, I think a lot of the work, you know, real the sweat has been at my desk. But like the the initiating drafts or beginnings of things were were often coffee shops or restaurants. I'm definitely in, I'm definitely in the coffee shop uh, era of my career, and this book. So that you read a draft of the book that was called Monsters for a while. We t- yes. Well, we talked about it, I think, last episode. Um, so I've, been, I've continued to work on that. And, and going over it, I realized how much of it was not written at a desk, was not written, yeah. certainly not written at home. Um, I feel like it's, uh, I feel like that's had a genuine effect, the places that I'm doing the writing. I used to think, I used to be proud how, how of... different from like, I, think, I remember Mailman, you built, basically you built a shed to write Mailman <laughs> I, I did, essentially, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a shed book for sure. Yeah. Um, but this, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I sort of proudly say, and probably falsely like to say that, um, I am, I am, um, uh, like technology agnostic and location agnostic about my writing. That doesn't matter whether I'm writing with a pen or a pencil, uh, or a typewriter or a or a computer, or if I'm at a coffee shop or an office, it doesn't matter. That once I'm down in this stuff, um, everything else falls away, and um, I'm just I'm just like you know, hoeing my row um, with you know just it, it, dead to the world. But that's I think that's probably bullshit, and uh, um, I think th- I think it does have an effect. Reading you know, looking at this book and what I've done over the past few years with it, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it has actually. I've written yeah. some of it on. My phone, a lot of the the text message stories, the stories right. that are initially published by randomly texting them to someone in my um, address book. I just re- I just opened up a text message to this person and composed there. Um, and uh, it was fun fun using it like a a time wasting mechanism to actually yeah. accomplish something. Um, yeah. A lot of them were written in, you know, my fountain pens and my special notebook. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I, I'm I would like to do some of that in L.A. I was the the idea that I would actually do some writing at AWP seems absurd on the face of it, but I think I might actually try to do it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> um, I'd say go go get down to Cantor's after uh, after the breakfast rush. Yeah, I think think you're uh, um, probably uh, be able to do some work. How far away is it from? Downtown? Well, it's on Fairfax. I don't know um, anything about the layout of LA. It's like Fairfax and Melrose. Okay, well, it's just right down from Fairfax High School. <laughs> okay, oh, all right, perfect. Um, close to the uh, uh, farmer, the LA Farmers Market, which yeah. is you know a big facility. Um, so it's straight out. 
and a little north. You know, I don't know. It's uh, it's not close to downtown, but it's not super far. Okay. Um, I got a breakfast recommendation from friend of the show, Stephanie. Um, says we should go to Egg Slut, which is a uh, breakfast place inside the um, inside the farmers gr- market, the Grand Central Market. So. Yeah, that's a not, oh, not oh oh so that's downtown. Yeah, yeah, it's downtown. It's not far yeah. from where we're staying. Yeah. And uh she recommends specifically the Fairfax, which is soft scrambled eggs and chives, cheddar cheese, mm-hmm. caramelized onions, and a and sriracha mayo in a warm brioche. What, what? <laughs> so I'm gonna give that a shot. Wanna come? Yeah. Wanna eat some eggs? I do want to eat some eggs. I do want to eat some eggs. Scoogie wants some eggs? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my favorite place to eat in Los Angeles has been gone for about a year now. It's called Pepe's Galley. Yeah. And it was inside the Mar Vista bowling alley. And then they decided to fancy up the bowling alley and they cut the end of the lease with Pepe. Oh, come on. And it's, uh, it's a great loss. I think you've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah. I think you I think you honored its passing at the time. Yeah. There was a rallying to try to keep it open. Uh, but a failed rally. Yeah. Is there Well, is it, there there's also uh, um uh, so much good food in LA. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, is there a Zanku downtown? Well, I'm sure the internet would tell us. Well, I'm I on think, the I'm on the website. Locations. Yeah. We got a lot of locations. I think of them <clears> being mostly in the Pasadena area mm. although that would be a good trip for one uh would be to go out to the huntington library um mm-hmm. <clears throat> one had some spare time and, and wasn't likely to be in los angeles again the huntington uh, library which is the greatest collection of of rare books in the world uh, only a fraction of which are ever on view uh, but also surrounded by you know the, one of the greatest gardens in the world mm-hmm um, in Pasadena, on Colorado, just Colorado, I suppose it's probably a fifteen-minute Uber or taxi ride out there. Yeah, and uh, worth every bit of it. And there's also a Zanku chicken nearby, so you can go to Zanku. <laughs> Very good, and to Huntington. Um, if yeah. you had uh, afternoon, you wanted to get away. The uh, the <coughs> the locations are Anaheim, Burbank, Glendale, Pasadena. Luca Lake, Van Noyes, West Hollywood. Oh, so it's all over. West Hollywood and West Los Angeles. Where's the one on West Los Angeles? I don't know. Hold on, let's find out. Locations alone, <laughs> alone. Seventeen sixteen South Sepulveda. 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 You just say Sepulveda. Uh, sorry, Sepulveda. So that's you, you're, you're inviting me to say Sepulveda. Yeah, Sepulveda. Do they still have the yellow t-shirts? Or is that long gone? Last time I was there, they had them. All right, good. Um, and I think they had them for for the workers to wear, and I think you could buy one for yourself. <laughs> to pretend to be a worker. Yeah. For a little bit of, uh, a little bit of class tourism. You can pretend you work at a chicken restaurant too, instead of wherever you work. Um, another uh, very uh, <clears throat> valuable food outing for Los Angeles would be the Dresden Room. Have and you ever been to the Dresden Room in Los Feliz? I don't believe I have it. Oh heavens! <laughs> the Dresden Room is fantastic. It's a steakhouse. All right. Um, there's big white leather booths. It's, you've seen it. You've, if, you, if you walked into it, you would recognize it from many films. Um, oh wow! Look at that. So it's got a fancy lounge. It was a, there was a big scene in uh, uh, Swingers there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but uh, the lounge is actually pretty fantastic. There's usually a, just this couple, Mickey and Marty, or something, who do a. I don't know if they're still alive do a great show but then the, the dining room is pretty fantastic big swooping leather white leather chairs pretty good steaks um not too expensive it's there's some nice. pretty good uh pretty good copy on the website here they Dean say and sammy were their names i think they say there. come enjoy the unforgettable night at the dresden yes it's been swingers 
that thing you do with Tom Hanks and a host of others that the Dresden lays claim to as a location. And rightly so, considering that the stars just keep on coming. And here's the what I think is the key line. As one enters from the parking lot, as one generally does when entering a classic continental <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Witness a screen with Mandarin patterns. Inside is subtle lighting. <laughs> a lounge to the left and dining to the right. This is the strangest diction. Yeah. As one translated from <laughs> inside is subtle lighting. So yeah, it's making a case for like uh this is the correct way to enter a classic continental restaurant from the parking lot. Yeah, none of this uh, n- none of this none of this uh, rappelling down from the helipad. Yeah, I don't remember ever walking in from a parking lot. I'm not sure there's a parking lot. I think making <laughs> a lot of stuff up. No. All right. Great. Well, I I only have dinner plans for uh well, I, I have dinner plans for a couple of nights, actually, but we'll we'll figure something out. Yeah, it's a great place. All right, those are all good. Highly of it. These are all good plans, Ed. Dresden's very nice. So, all right, and it's not too far from <laughs> Skylight. Skylight Books is right along that stretch as well. Oh, okay, yeah, I've been there. Have you been there before? Yeah, yeah. It's a block or two away. I think I, I could be wrong. I think it's about right. That's a great bookstore. So, um, so we'll we'll do all these things next week. We'll do all of them. Museum of Jurassic Technology, Dresden Room. Yep. Um, you don't have to Thai, do. There's a Thai place right next to the Museum of Jurassic Technology. It's okay. like Emerald Thai. It's pretty solid. So, are you um, are you on panels or doing readings or anything? No, no. I propose things. Me too. On behalf of Idlewild in our mm-hmm. our summer writing week, we're a seven a nearly seventy five year old literary and arts organization in Southern California. I thought that perhaps AWP would. Uh, in its quest to uh, try to, you know, give some respect to local organizations, would throw us a bone. No bone thrown. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So my, uh, <clears throat> I don't. Well, I wasn't even going to go. I don't know. This will probably be my last AWP. I mean, what? fuck AWP. It's terrible. It's so awful. You say this every year, though, and it is awful. And then you just ignore the awful things, and you have a wonderful time. Do you I have not? A great time. I have so a great what? time. I see my friends there. Yeah. It's so great. go to AWP. You don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to pay attention to AWP at AWP. Well, I don't. Just I go don't. to a city and and eat the food and see the people. <sighs> I've <I'd rather, laughs> the thing is, I so I've been I've gone to I've gone to almost I've gone to I'm a AWP veteran. Yeah, I know you are. And I don't think I think I always pay for it myself. I mean, nobody's sending me to this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather spend my money on uh, I don't know pedicure mm. or a vacation. You know, it feels very. Uh, 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 I can get pretty down about AWP. It's 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 an annual accounting of where I stand, and where I, I'm very happy with the work I'm doing, and you know, a great publisher and. I think my work is well received, and I have a lot of friends. But I'm I make eighteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you know, and a thousand of that goes to going to AWP. So, yeah, that's I I I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, so uh, Becky Hazelton, the poet, had a had a hilarious series of tweets the other night about what to wear at AWP. Um, and I'm going to read a few of them. She's at, she's at Hinks Minx. Um, but the one you just reminded me of <coughs> is um, what to wear at AWP 16 loafers into which you've inserted two shiny pennies, your royalties <laughs> from three poetry books. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but a few of the others are what to wear AWP 16, red leather pants, black tank, carry a sharpened steak. What to wear at AWP. Whatever that guy with a butt for a face is wearing in Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights. (laughs) What to wear at AWP. A stunning dress made out of carpet tacks, Percocet earrings, two twin corgis on leashes. Very good. 
What to wear at AWP. Loafer, oh, that you did loafers. A peplum top mini pants from J. Crew. A pearlescent bubble of privilege that you roll in like a posh hamster. <laughs> what to wear to AWP. The body of a tauntaun split open, rank but warm. So warm. What to wear to AWP. Michael Shaben's face, which you switched with your own, like face off. Mm. Anyway. I like those. I'm probably just going to wear some fucking indie rock t-shirts and jeans. I w- what I will say that I like... I'm going to wear my gym clothes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like your gas mask, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Wear my gym clothes. My gas mask. <laughs> you, could, you, should, um, you should come sauntering, if you will, in, in like a velour tracksuit. And oh, not and to. not change your clothes. Well, if you really wanted to be, if you really wanted to make yeah. a statement, to have four different colored tracksuits, and yeah. you wear a different one every day. I need a tracksuit. You really do, with uh, piping yeah. along the leg. Oscar's got one. Yeah, Oscar's got, got a nice Adidas tracksuit, red, <laughs> yeah. with, uh, dark red with uh, with uh, you know the with the Adidas stripes. There's there have often been times that one of my children would have one of my then small children would have an article of clothing that I would envy and that is not yeah. available for oh, an adult yeah. man. Oh, I know. Uh, most of my kids' wardrobe. He dresses like more of an adult than I do. <laughs> I would love a velour. It's hard to find velour in 2016. Really? You don't see a lot of velour. Only in, uh, only in period movies, actually. <coughs> You're right. <coughs> But it's got to be out there, right? I mean, things go like the passenger pigeon. <laughs> gone. Yep. The the death. Gone the way of the prairie chicken. It's gone. Velour. Where, whatever animal gave us velour. <laughs> we also have <laughs> lost its habitat. <laughs> the Christian billboards. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> so much has passed from us john yeah so i'm reading about this uh um so the house that i grew up in yeah in topeka uh was built in the 1880s by this uh guy who i we knew he was he was a judge he's one of the founders of the neighborhood because it was its own little city for a like a a, a moment and then became that was central topeka um <clears throat> And I was looking at, uh, so I'm writing a thing about, I'm writing a bunch of things about the neighborhood I grew up in. And I was doing a little bit of research and I saw that, that in this little bio, um, mentioned that he published a book of poems in 1904. Oh. And of course now you can look things like that up. Yeah. And uh, what I found is it's a, um, it's a, uh, uh, so when he was he was old by the time he got to Topeka so in the in the forties and eighteen forties and eighteen fifties he was a um, an Indian agent. What, worked what, for the, the, what is that? The federal government is a um, you know administering reservation. I don't know. I don't I really understood what, what 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 an Indian agent did, but they were like the. I mean, aside from assuming bad guys, terrible. <laughs> terrible things they did but but they were non non military like uh the like governors i think like the governor of uh indian territory essentially or i don't know um some of our friends know i don't really know um but uh but it was up in kind of the canadian border in wisconsin and uh uh particularly with ojibwe chippewa peoples and uh he wrote a, a, a sprawling romantic epic Ooh. about the ojibwe <laughs> that um is very uh um it's odd to read for a lot of reasons yeah. i found a copy of the book online <laughs> yeah it's, it's bad it's bad like echoes of romantic poetry it's uh you know culturally um weaponized and <laughs> oh, stupid and offensive and 
you know, but by, by 2016 standards, of course, you know, we 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 can diagnose what's wrong with it. But I think even by 1850 standards, um, you could look at this and say, "Oh, that's you know, to, this was not something that needed done." Oh, oh you know? no! Um, and in fact, but so it's, I think the work of a young guy. But he uh, he had a, a a friend, and he gave the poem to his friend. Um, to publish under his name as a way for him to raise funds. Yeah. This is, the story is near as I can tell. So this other, this, uh, this Methodist minister who was Ojibwe um, publishes it and uh, with some other things under his own name in the 1850s. And it's the, the first, like it's the, one of the first you know, published, you know, published in New York books by an, by a native author. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the guy embarks on a decades long career as, you know, uh, the authentic voice of the Ojibwe of the American Indian or the, he's like kind of Canadian and American, but, but then, you know, tours, you know, Europe, um, has a, a becomes friends with Washington Irving, um, Longfellow takes some of his inspiration for Hiawatha mm-hmm. from from this 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 book, and the guy does he writes other things. I mean, this is just one part of he sort of writes a, a history of like an autobiography for which this poem is part of it, and then there's also a, a bricolage of other other things. And he did write; he was you know, a legitimate writer on his own, but this was borrowed. Um. And then he kind of became a real hustler, and kind uh, of got, you, don't, you don't say. <laughs> like he embezzled some stuff from tribe. He got kicked out of the Methodist ministry. Um, he kind of keeps showing up in all these weird little Evan S. Canellish uh, uh, <laughs> Museum of Jurassic Technology uh, spots over yeah. the, the last half of the century, and dies penniless. You know. Um, George Copway is his name, <laughs> uh, his English name. And uh, so Julius Clark, who built our house, publishes it under his own name in 1904 as a very, very old man, uh-huh. <laughs> along with uh, a bunch of other shorter poems that are not so bad, yeah. written as an old man, like sonnets and, and uh, you know, shorter, you know, one or two page poems. Do you, do you, do you, feel, his, do you feel his essence? In the house? No. Do you? No. <laughs> All right. No. Uh, now, but now, at you know, fifteen hundred miles away, now I feel haunted. You know. <laughs> um. Uh. But it's uh, I mean, interesting. So I, I mentioned it to uh, one of our neighbors, who's a professor at Washburn, and is sort of the you know keeps a, a library of Kansas writings, and has written a lot about you know Kansas writers. And has never heard of this guy, even though <laughs> he's heard of the guy because he was the mayor of this neighborhood and the guy who lives in the neighborhood. Just like, this is, I've never heard this story. This is not a story that, that uh, is known, really. Wow. Um, I'm doing a bunch of reading into that. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, it seems like an odd, odd, odd figure. It's a couple of odd figures. From, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, someone must have. I'm trying to find the 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 text from somebody who else has gone down this rabbit hole because somebody else must have um, and written about it. You know, though, maybe not. <laughs> there are a lot of goddamn rabbit holes. Yeah, and just no no time to go down them all. So, well, it's a dadgum bunch of rabbits. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'd have more prairie chickens if that weren't so. When's the last time you said dadgum? Damn, I don't know. Not recently. Try it out. I think it would have Try been about eighteen seventy three. Somewhere, yeah. Dadgum. All right. <laughs> Try, Try it out on somebody. <clears throat> hand me that. Hand me that. Uh, that dadgum. Dadgum waffles. Is it a waffle? Dadgum morning? multimeter. What? No, no. That's Sunday. Today's Saturday. We usually do it on Whoa, Sunday. Sunday. Oh, that's right. It's weird. Yeah, we've I, got a we've got an egg egg roll to go to. Oh, that's hunt. right. Easter. Yeah. Yeah, so now now that our household lacks both religiosity and small children, um, Easter is kind of a non-entity. Yeah. We're going for it. I got a honey baked ham. Of course you Oh, sweet. 
the honey baked ham store here has a little cafe. Yeah. And, and so, and sometimes, and it's, it's not part of town to get to. St. John's is sort of southwest along the river. It's kind of cut off by the highway. And uh, I was trying to get some writing done, so I brought my notebook and sat in the honey baked ham cafe for Hell a couple yeah. of hours. Hell yeah, you did. While my while the while my six pound ham was getting warm, <laughs> uh, they had some decent coffee and some pretty good potato salad. So, I how'd the writing go? It's pretty good. Huh? Huh? Pretty good. Writing something about puppets. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that if 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 people are uh, some people are unnerved by puppets, and those people should probably not go to puppet shows. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. It's time for love.